This week's episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Big Geek Emporium and the guys at Biggest Geekus. Hey, everybody is looking to buy something that is not a Wizards product right now. And, Bert, you know the best place they can go. Of course, Big Geek Emporium. Right, and there's reasons why you need to go to the Emporium. The Emporium is the most content creator-friendly place where you can buy your gaming goods. To put it frankly, they give creators a bigger slice of the pie. And that's important because creators deserve to eat too. They don't do it just out of love. You know, we want to compensate them as best as we can. And the Emporium allows you to do that without spending an extra dime. They kick back a bigger percentage to their creators. And they are philosophically more aligned with our end of the hobby. So if you're buying anything tabletop gaming related, make sure that your first stop is biggeekemporium.com. That's the place to spend your money. And while you're at it, head on over to YouTube and search for Biggest Geekus and check out the guys at the Biggest Geekus podcast. Same crew that runs the Emporium, giving you their thoughts about all things tabletop role-playing. So do that YouTube thing, you know, subscribe, ring bells, I don't know, wear audio, but definitely give them a subscription on YouTube. Now, on with the show. Another tumultuous week in the gaming world is going on, and we are here to talk with you about everything and some stuff that you didn't even think about that happened this week. My name is Ryan David. You are listening to Nerd Cognito, and thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. I'm joined, as always, by Bert. Hello, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Uh, a busy week again. It's like, you know, it never stops. Um, Wizard must have like seven feet because they systematically continue to put one in their mouth almost every time <laughs> they release a statement now. Um, it's, it's been a crazy week, you know. Obviously, the community is on fire still about the OGL thing. There's a lot of developments with the Orc and our friends, right. friends in air quotes, at Paizo. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that on the flip side of the news. Um, but, you know, the week, generally speaking, was busy but fast. I think that's the best way that I can characterize it. How was your week? Uh, same. Uh, pretty busy, you know, work and everything. But I uh, got some gaming in, and it went faster than I thought it would. I'm back in the chair again. Hey, that's all that counts, right? <laughs> God knows we could not survive if you were not back in the chair. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I'm just all scattered right now. There's just so much going on specifically. And I know we've been heavy on tabletop um, right? just because of the, the thing with the OGL. But really, there's nothing more important in the gaming world going down because not only is it shaping and changing the reason that we are role players to begin with, but um, it's going to create a ripple effect that's going to go for months, years, decades beyond. So interesting times. That's what we get for saying, oh, you know, <laughs> if only the sparkle trolls would, would, would just be quiet and let the hobby roll. No, no, no. There, there is no rest. Um, interesting thing is more and more of our glittery friends are going back into shill mode for wizards this week, which boggles the mind. There was a moment, mm. a brief moment where everybody set all of that philosophical shit aside and said, don't do this to our hobby. And I think, unfortunately for us, and fortunately for Wizards, you know, Wizards is, is loving this because we're going back to to the, the tribalism that is the gaming world. You know, nerds, <laughs> we are what we are. <laughs> right, right. But now we're, we're, we're seeing more and more attacks. Um, this week, I think the ladies on Twitter brought to light no less than four or five pretty prominent posts from 
folks in that particular segment that are quickly, quickly, quickly falling back in line with Wizards. Um, so we'll talk about that on the flip side of the news, too. Notice I pushed all the OGL stuff on the back end of the show because right, yeah. uh, it's it's tiresome. We can't stop. We, we absolutely can't stop. But no. uh, there are other things that we have to talk about, too, as well as do our due diligence with the, the state of the situation. Did you get any gaming in this week? You said you got a little bit, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I played some yesterday. I'm curious. Any buzz at the non-Nerd Cognito tables uh, about this whole Wizards kerfuffle? Yeah, actually, um, our... Uh... Our GM, who was running the, the game, is you know came out with uh, something, and he's like, at this point, it's friends don't let friends play D and D. He's he's like, we've got we've got half a dozen other gaming systems we can go to, but at this point, D and D's not one of them. So half a dozen. I mean, you've got a ton, and that's what we're going to talk about first up. Um, if you look at your little handy dandy sheet for this week, right. A lot of people have been approaching me personally uh, that that know that I'm kind of in tune with a lot of what's going on in the gaming world. I know a lot of folks are hitting up the gals on Twitter. I've been getting emails saying, you know, what do you want to play now that Wizards is kind of off the table? And right. so I thought this would be a, a really good good opportunity for us just to to share if nothing else our our personal picks and by no means i think are these like top picks it's just what came to mind at the time so here's the plan bert okay what's the plan ryan let's throw out there an old pick so if someone okay. wants to to throw back and play something that's been out there and established or maybe fallen to the wayside of the tabletop world but you know it deserves a little love we, we can throw a pick like that doesn't have to be osr but it certainly can be osr if you're going okay. backwards backwards um and let's throw out a new pick as well uh so two and two I mean, we're, we're playing chuck woolery tonight uh, all right <laughs> let's each talk about something that is, I guess we'll call it a throwback pick for something that is not Dungeons and Dragons to play. Okay. And a more modern publication for something that's not Dungeons and Dragons to play. You notice notice the key phrase there. Not Dungeons, not Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right. Got it. Got it. Um, how's that sound? Sounds perfect. I, I definitely can think of one of each pretty easily well then i'm gonna put you on the spot what would be your throwback choice tell us what it is and then tell everybody a little bit about it just in case uh, you know they could be like me and have it you know fall through the memory hole or they may have never heard of it and that's okay too let's let's sort of give them a little aperitif to our choices so your throwback choice would be Shadowrun. Shadowrun. Interesting choice, my friend. Interesting choice. Um, it was the first gaming system I really learned to play outside of D and D. It was the first non D and D product that I ever picked up. Right. It had a. It had a. You know, it, the system was a little crunchy. You know, there was some math involved. I have traumatic memories of some of the flaws of the system. Tell everybody what Shadowrun is, because there, there legitimately could be some newer listeners. By the way, we have a lot of new listeners over the last month to Nerd Cognito. Welcome and thank you. Um, give the rundown. What's Shadowrun? I'm just a stupid guy that doesn't know anything. What's the Shadowrun? Okay, so... Um... Quickest, quick and dirty explanation yep. is: Imagine cyberpunk, okay, like with magic, magical cyberpunk. So basically, the idea is that corporations pretty much rule the world, and gee, that's but, a stretch. <laughs> but in there was a sort of magic came back to the world, and so magical creatures and. Um, cyberware exists in the same universe you can play as an elf you can play as a cyborg it's 
kind of the best of both worlds. I believe I played the second edition of Shadowrun in the mid-90s. I played Uh, both first and second. Okay, fantastic. You still have all the net running elements. You still have the diversity of the classes. Right, I mean, advanced vehicles, weapons, you know, tactics. You've got shaman and mages and corporate spies and everything, a little bit of everything but the kitchen sink in there. It's a futuristic setting, but not set in space. It's future Earth, so it's... And it's near future, too, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, good pick, good pick. Uh, Now, we talked a little bit about it, and, you know, I started rocking like Rain Man, uh, when you when you mentioned some of the numbers, the earlier versions of Shadow Run, I don't want to say that they were crunchy. Crunchy is not the right term. I use this term knowing that it's a loaded term, and and I don't want to bring too much of the baggage along with it. But it's the best term that I can think of. The system's a little fiddly. Okay, I mean, I can see that. I still think it was less fiddly than playing something like World of Darkness, though. <laughs> fair, fair statement, fair statement. Um, good pick, my friend. So, if your group would like something that's a little dystopian, a little near future, but still fantastic, as in magic exists, uh, Shadowrun is a great pick. Ah, my throwback choice, Bert. Oh, this one's tough. Okay. There's so many for me to pick from, and I, I always have been the guy that's like, let's play this instead of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> I am going to go to a game that very often gets forgotten, but it's, okay. it's, it's in in vogue with the things that I like. You know, I, I'm a big horror guy. I enjoy horror. I like right. the supernatural elements uh, mm-hmm. of things. And I was always a big fan of Chill. Do you remember Chill? Ooh, I do remember Chill. Chill's an interesting choice. Normally when somebody says they're a horror fan, you automatically think they're going to go like Call of Cthulhu. Oh, no, chill is a no. great choice yeah, for, I, I for love a horror chill. game. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Chill is a tabletop role-playing game that... <sighs> for lack of a better term, allows you, and and again, this sounds very narrative storytelling-ish, and there's some elements of that, but it's not. It it runs like a traditional tabletop game. It absolutely uh, does. Where you are an investigator in, in Chill, they're called Envoys, right? And all the Envoys are members of a secret organization that hunts down and tracks and eliminates evil in the world. So whether it's a vampire, uh, undead, werewolf, you know, you are envoys in this universe that has these supernatural beings. And it was the X-Files before the X-Files, you know? <laughs> right, right. There's uh, It wasn't quite Monster of the Week because you could have sort of ongoing themes with it. But it was, uh, it, remind, it, it reminds me a lot of the original X-Files. And the thing I loved about Chill is even though it was clearly a modern-ish setting, mm-hmm. if you had a great person running the game, you could roll it to whatever time period you want. I distinctly remember playing a couple of like 1920s pulp Chill campaigns as well that would have been fun as well as modern uh chill campaigns so uh chill was pretty solid in the mechanics it was certainly less crunchy to use that term uh than ad&d but it didn't go into like fate territory right (laughs) the the story was important as it is with any game but the play of the game still dictated a lot of what what happened. And quite frankly, you know, it was in some cases pretty brutal too. Um, Not you're going to kill the character traveler style in, in character creation, brutal. Right. Right. But uh, you know, you're, you're a person going up against these supernatural elements and uh, it made for a wonderful game 
doesn't get enough love and too many people don't even know it exists anymore. Um, right, right. I mean, the, the original books are kind of hard to come by. There was a reprint that Mayfair did in the 90s, which is the one that, that I distinctly remember playing. But there was also a third edition reprint. Um, so it's gone through three iterations in about, I want to say, five, six years ago. Uh, and that one was equally good in presentation and theme. I don't think it had quite the edge that the second edition had. So if I were to pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig out the the second edition stuff. Um, so chill would would have been my recommendation saying, hey, if your group likes horror and wants mm-hmm. to, be in a very clear good versus evil campaign that has a lot of gray area too. Uh, but definitely you're, you're the good guys, right? There's not an evil party in chill. <laughs> right. No, there's not. No. Um, chill would, would be one that I would, I would pull out because I don't think its name is mentioned enough. Uh, I can't disagree with you. I mean, it was a fun game. Uh, the system, as I remember it again, it, it was, it was a little fiddly, but not overly so. Right. And I think the, the fiddly bits in chill were, were more because at that point in time, modern mechanics that were try modern mechanics that the developers were trying to tie to reality as opposed to something like a science fiction ish thing. Mm -hmm. Um, weren't really deep. It was one of the first of its kind to, to explore that territory. At least the original version was. So, you know, there, there were some growing pains, um, but the original version's content, man, I, I distinctly remember running some of the content as foundational content for a chill group that I was running um, mm-hmm. and doing the conversions on the fly in my brain <laughs> from first to second edition because oh, wow. uh, the the actual like modules, although I didn't run the module, I just used the module, like I said, as a base, mm-hmm. um, but they were really good and really fleshed out. Um, good, good, good stuff. So uh, Shadowrun and Chill, two very different directions for sure, for sure. Absolutely. For Absolutely. our throwback more choices. Contemporary horror and one's more kind of future dystopia, but both are, you know, solid choices if you're looking for something new and interesting. Absolutely. Or old and interesting, actually. <laughs> old old and interesting. Old, as we say, with all of the stuff, especially throwback OSR properties, old isn't just nostalgia. It holds up, especially when you look at the crap that sometimes gets churned out today. Uh, not talking about crap that's getting churned out today. If you have an audience that says, that's ah, great guys, but uh, I don't want to pirate this stuff and I can't really get my hands on some of this older material. What would be a more modern game that you would like to recommend for our group? Um, if you had to pick a modern candidate, where are you going? Well, I mean, considering that I'm in a campaign for it right now, I uh, you know, I would have to recommend Stars Without Number to pretty much anybody. It's simple to pick up and play. It's got a really interesting sort of experience mechanic. It's uh, got sort of space opera elements. It's uh, And the system itself, like the core rulebook, really kind of tries to flesh out like equipment and things like that to kind of bring this future sci-fi setting to life. I've read the setting. I've not had the opportunity to play in one of those campaigns. So uh, it's definitely space opera, 100% mm-hmm. space opera. Absolutely. Um, I, I would almost say it's rules light. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree with that statement. It's fairly simple between, you know, focuses and skills. You know, there's a limited number of skills and things like that. So it's more about sort of building a story and sort of, uh, you know, dealing with a situation using the the skills and equipment that you have rather than, you know, something that requires a bunch of, you know, crunchy math skills and things like that. Right. But again, I think the thing that sets it apart 
from, again, I'll use Fate, because I love to shit on Fate. <laughs> the, the thing that sets it apart from a Fate-type game is there is still structure, right? Right, right, absolutely. The thing that, I, that kind of sucked me into this was the experience mechanic. You set goals for your character, and as you achieve those goals, you earn experience points. At the end of a session where you achieve one of your goals, you earn experience points. The longer you have a goal, the more experience points you get. So if you have people who set simple to achieve goals that they're achieving, they're getting an experience point or two every game, or you have people who set long-term goals and they're, they might get hit with, you know, eight, nine, 10 experience points all at once. Right. So it's, it's milestone ish, but right. it's developed through a conversation between the player and the GM. Which, exactly, which is which is very unique indeed. I, I want to play uh, at least in a a short stride campaign with that system, and I just haven't had the opportunity to. So, uh, good choice, Bert. Uh, my modern choice. This is tough because mm-hmm. my modern choice is an OGL 1.0a property. Right. Right, so you can't use that one. I know exactly which one you would go to because it's sort of your go-to when we talk about what we're going to role play. Well, I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking of that one. I was thinking of uh, Chronicles of Iris. Oh, okay. Because it is, for lack of a better term, a fifth edition product, but it's fifth edition done right. Uh, my other choice, you know, Thirteenth Age. I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, I think if I had to pull something that is totally dissociated from Wizards, and I'm not saying don't go play Iris. Iris is right. great, you know. No, I mean, we love the books. Like, the problem, you know, you, you but the thing you worry about is you've got this great book from this great, you know, creator, and then is it still going to be his next month? Well, you know? <laughs> well, it is because Greg Lambert, the author of Iris, is um, – in the midst of working with uh, Troll Lord and their rule set to to bring that system over there, and uh, I know he's working on a lot of other stuff of his own, which I'm not at liberty to talk about just quite yet. So Iris isn't going anywhere, but the version that people can pick up right now is a fifth edition property. I'm not saying don't go get it. Uh, I know he was having a fire sale to blow his fifth edition inventory. So that tells you exactly where he's going. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think just because, you know, we've talked about two of their products on the show over the last year, mm-hmm. and I am really a fan of how they put together their stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with something from the Wretched Verse, and I'm going okay. to leave it very open because, you know, uh, the folks at the Red Room that produce the Wretched series. Last week we just, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we just reviewed Wretched Epoch last week, and we uh, were right. And I'm still excited about that. I still want to get a game of that together. But I love what Miguel and Sylvia do with their system and their products uh everything in wretched is very unique it's gritty it's dark it's clearly osr um in some cases it's not going to bend at all but it works because of the type of i guess magnified humanity that they put into their series and that's that's the phrase i'm going to use magnified humanity Right. I mean, I would almost call it fantastic realism when when I look at their products, because it's like it's got elements of the fantastic. I mean, look at Wretched Epoch. There's magic in there, but it also has this very real sort of, you know, gritty feel, like you said. Yeah, there's just so many good choices. David Gwill's Dungeons and Delvers, we just dug into pretty deep a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent choice. Uh, the guys at Troll Lord and Castles and Crusade is a fantastic choice. Uh, I guess the point is there is so much as far as different properties that you can turn your table onto. And guess what? If you try one and it doesn't work, who cares? You had a good time trying. 
And, right, and there's a million more. Right. So definitely check it out. Obviously, you can hit up the ladies at NerdCognito on Twitter, and they have their opinions as well. Um, but really, if you're looking for a property, you need not turn anywhere but ask a like-minded gamer, and they'll be able to rattle off ten more systems and games that, that we didn't even get to. So when the news of the day gets you down... Fear not. All you need to do is ask a like-minded gamer, and they'll be able to rattle off a ton more things that you and your table can give a shot. Uh, you had to say it, didn't you? I have to say it every week. That's kind of the shtick, right? <laughs> right. I guess. I guess it is. What's in the news this week, Ryan? Oh, um, a, a lot. Uh, I again tried to steer the news away from some of the ramblings du jour. Okay. And I'm going to open up with some film news for you. Okay. I like film a lot. What do you got? I'm going to throw a director out there at you. John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. We've talked about some of his movies before in the past. Yeah. I mean, he's done great things and then he's done terrible things that are so terrible that they're great. What are you talking right, about? Yeah, yeah. You going to pull out They Live again? Oh, no, 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 no. I made the boss watch that one. No. <laughs> At the short end of the list of great John Carpenter's films is Escape from New York. Sure. I mean, everybody loves Escape from New York, right? I would hope so, and we're going to see if a lot more people are going to like Escape from New York because a Escape from New York reboot was announced a while back and sort of got lost in the shuffle, but resurfaced when John Carpenter came out and has laid us with this statement that uh, he's absolutely not involved with the reboot whatsoever, and the last <laughs> thing he heard is that they are going to gender swap Snake. So Snake Plissken will be a woman. Ugh. Look, I, I, I can see the Sparkle Trolls like cracking their knuckles right now and bellying up to the keyboard because they think they know what I'm going to say. Right. I, I don't care. I love movies that have strong protagonists, male, Absolutely. female, alien. I don't care. I, I care when you take something that's established and change it for whatever reason you feel it needs to be changed if you want to do a great shoot 'em up with action and adventure and and you know intrigue and a little bit of science fiction and a little bit of comedy and you want to have a female protagonist make a fucking great script don't take escape from new york and make snake a girl <laughs> that that's my point on this whole thing Come on. It's fucking snake. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, my question is, are, are they doing like a different story set in the same universe? Because those can be good. You know, you, you, take a, you take a story, like, is the main character Snake Plissken or is it somebody else in that universe? You know Who what knows? I mean? The project is, quote, in the very, very early stages. And hmm. what does that mean? I don't know. But I look at some of the politically adjusted properties that have come out recently. I, I don't need to. I don't need to look further than last week in Velma on HBO Max. Did you see that train wreck? Uh, just the preview. It didn't really <laughs> catch my attention at all. It's amazing, and by amazing, I mean it is the now third worst show on IMDb in history. Really? You don't change what is established. Even to a degree, John Carpenter was guilty of this because I am not a fan. I'm a huge fan of John Carpenter. I'm not a fan of Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. tried to change too much. And it was terrible. So, um, yes, La Snake is going to have labia moving forward, and I am not a happy camper. I mean, I like labia, but, 
but I don't want them on Snake Plissken. Ryan, no. <laughs> no, Ryan, no. Yeah, like I said, my question is, you know, I, I guess I'd have to see more to decide whether or not I'm interested in it or not. Talk about some video games here. Konami has okay. uh, sort of tipped their hand that they are quietly working on major projects, plural. What that means, Ooh. who knows? I would assume something Castlevania, right? Sure. I, I, that's, a, that's a good guess with Konami. I, I think Metal Gear is possible um, because we know that they you know, retain the rights to that. Uh, last year, they dug deep and went in on uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade Shredder's Revenge, which is phenomenal. It, it's exactly what it should be. It's what it was with modern graphics. A new Silent Hill property, a good one. Konami has been very hit or miss over the last decade. That's the, the, the only, you know, little little regret. I, I guess not a regret little caveat that I throw out there. Um, but we'll see. I, I'm always on board. They're a long-lived studio that has a lot of IP that they can throw at something if they really do focus on development instead of just grinding out titles. Right. I mean, there were some games that were great, like, uh, that I can think of, but can you imagine, like, a modern retake on, like, Silent Scope? Oh, that is a game that I haven't heard of for a long time. I'm trying to think, what are other Konami IPs that they could really do something fantastic with? Uh, you could do something amazing right now with Contra. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, a, a new Contra game? A you know, new with... Contra, open world, uh, not massively multiplayer, but maybe right. squad multiplayer. Holy fuck. <laughs> Oh man, that would be great, you know. You know, you could send your royalties yeah. to Nerd Cognito. Uh, <laughs> not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. No, yeah, I know. They'll be like, "No, we thought of it a long time ago. Had nothing to do with you, Ryan." <laughs> I know. Nobody ever wants to do anything with us. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. We have a lot of, of of new listeners. We have a lot of faithful listeners, which we are super, super humbled to to be brought into your world every week i guess people want to do things with us it's just major video game stories don't want to write us checks let me read <laughs> well, there, i mean there's a certain segment of the gaming community that would like to do a lot of things with you but all of them are bad oh but i love them hey did you know that according to them this week zombies are now black people no oh. tell me what, what is this <laughs> I wasn't going to get into it th this week, but I don't even have the article up. But yeah, now there were there was some some sparkle trolls shouting this week on the Twitter machine um, that zombies are inherently racist. You know, I, I guess because of voodoo, Haitian cultural appropriate. I, I, insert buzzword du jour. But no, they there was open talk of how in. Dungeons and Dragons specifically, and tabletop role-playing in general, uh, we can correct the inherent and systemic racism of the zombie. <laughs> I mean, zombie, you know, I sort of think of zombies as, you know, ra uh, raceless. Once you're dead long enough, everybody turns gray, I, right? Hey, you know what? Just call them Draugr, and it's it's Scandinavian. Where's Vic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I yeah, no, I'm trying not to, to you know, have a stroke this evening, so I, I did not put the zombies on the docket this evening. Okay, all right, we'll put that aside for now. What what else is in the news? Well, before we move on. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I just, I actually, I, I, so, so here's the story. Gabrielle, who's one of the powers that be that runs our Twitter, uh, forwarded me a screenshot and links to this whole thread with the zombie stuff. Okay. And I said, there's no way. This is bait. This is someone trolling for clicks and an engagement. And I went into it to as like the true skeptic. And I right. d 
dug through it, and the more I read, the more I realized they are being fucking serious. More Ooh. serious than a heart attack. Uh, and, and it just boggles the mind. It's it's a fake Ooh. game about, you know, fake people and fake races and face, fake monsters doing fake heroic things, guys. Come on! <sighs> I wasn't going to go there with the zombies. <laughs> oh, what yeah, a that's shitter. A, that's a really weird take. I would have never... I would have never put those two things together as zombies equal racism. Like I, I would have just never made that leap. I fell down the rabbit hole reading the series of articles that were linked and tweets and and commentary online. And uh, for an hour, I really wanted to to be like, nope, nope, nope. <sighs> it's a bunch of shit. Which brings us to our last story of the week. Not necessarily shit, but at least some number one. In the tech world, Bert, there is a new sensor that okay. you can place in your toilets. <laughs> okay. That is anticipated to interface with health apps and devices like smartwatches or the Aura Ring. Not anything to do with Aura's the role-playing no. game. But what this sensor does is it analyzes your urine <laughs> at home. <laughs> it attaches okay. to the toilet bowl and uh, analyzes your Europe and your Europe. No, and no, I don't think it analyzes your Europe. It doesn't analyze your Europe. Hey, Vic. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. I'm picking on Victor. I love Victor. I, I, I can't do that. Um no, it, it analyzes your, your urine. So every time you have a squirt, it has a look. And it sends the results to, I don't know, wherever. It has replaceable cartridges. And it's meant to monitor nutrition and metabolic information, measuring ketone and vitamin C levels. Hmm. Tests your urine's pH. And why the fuck would anybody buy this unless they have a condition where they need to actively monitor that sort of thing? Right, but I could see it being very useful for people who do have a condition where they have to actively monitor it. You know, they don't have to, you know, take samples and test them themselves. If this sensor can do all of that for them, then, you know, it could be a great medical device for people who do have those conditions. Yeah, it's a great 500 euro medical device that has oh. not yet been cleared by the FDA, which if you convert is right around 550 bucks. I'm so sorry. 550 bucks. It hasn't been approved by the FDA, which means most insurances are not likely to cover it. Right. Uh, Grandma that, that Sally's hurts. not paying 500 bucks to, to dip her pee when she can just take a test strip and do the same thing for pennies. Right. I mean, that's, you know, if it was something that was covered by insurance or if they could get that price point down, I could see it being a really great tool for people. But at that price point and not being covered by insurance, I can't see a lot of people being able to afford to, you know, for the convenience. Well, you scan, I think, is circling the drain. And that, my friend, is our news for the week. Mm, okay. Yeah, mm, indeed. Ended on a weird note there. I, I kind of wish there was more news. Yeah, yeah. Because I know what's coming. <laughs> oh, how much have you been watching the Wizards? Uh, uh, quote, apology. Quote, Ooh. revisions. The stuff that's going on with the orc. Uh, yeah, there's some a of lot to take in. There is. I mean, there's a, there's quite a bit there. I mean, um, you know, the the apology, like I said, uh, you know, I said it before when we talked about the apology last week, there was almost, it wasn't a mea culpa. There was no apology to the apology. It's like, uh, no, it was never intended for any of this stuff to happen that you are worried about. You know, uh, you know you're just basically... It almost felt like they were gaslighting people. They were like, no, you're crazy. We didn't really mean for any of that to happen. Like, not at all. Well, this week, it, it continues, and there is no shame in in Wizards. They, they released their draft version of uh, the next 
iteration of the OGL that they've proposed. They're now saying, oh, we're listening to the community. Um, I, I got some key takeaways from it. I'm not going to go through the document line by line. There are plenty of other content creators that have and will do that. I, I want to hit two, maybe three major points that really okay. stick out at me, not only as a fan, but looking at this in two other avenues, as an entrepreneur and as a law school dropout, okay? Fair enough. Um, first and foremost, they've drawn a line in the sand. They are intent on deauthorizing 1.0a. There's no doubt about it. That is prominent in all of their communication. That's, that's just heartbreaking. Uh, we, we've talked about that with the roundtable. We talked about it last week with the T-shirted one. Um, T-shirted historian had a lot of good points. Uh, how if the 1.0a is deauthorized, how it's going to really just be the nail in the coffin for a lot of independent properties. Not because, you know, they're out there and they exist, but there's no more life. You are You are signing a death warrant because you can't, propagate new content in those properties with the death of 1.0a. So that's one hard and fast line that they have driven. Um, law school dropout in me looks at everything that they are writing and they are creating a historical paper trail that is proving, in my opinion, legal acceptance and acceptance is in quotes because by the legal definition of acceptance of the deauthorization of 1.0a wizards is going to be able to say let's say they release 10 versions of this license before right. everybody is happy and all of the sparkle trolls are back and you know we're making coffee in tiefling bucks there are then nine documents that are sequentially numbered you know they didn't put this out as this is a draft they put this out as this is a 1.2 ogl draft for you to look at mm -hmm. presumably the next version is going to be a 1.3 ogl draft that means that it is a version so they're going to be able to come back when someone challenges and it will happen the fact that the 1.0 a ogl cannot be deauthorized. They're going to say, no, 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 no. We have history of acceptance. There were nine versions, and it wasn't a problem until now. It is a textbook contract defense. They are creating and setting the table for that defense. It's also no surprise that these statements are taking so long to be released because it's not a dialogue with the community. It is their team of attorneys analyzing and then putting out very strategic documents. So they're creating a chain of historical acceptance by the absolute legal definition of the word acceptance. That's my, my first concern. Does that make sense, or am I am I too deep here on this one? I mean, that's the thing. They're a big corporation, so you know they you know they have you know a team of attorneys working on this. So normally, you know, I would say that you're going too deep into it. But the problem is, you know, that's the kind of way that you know corporate attorneys and things like that, teams of attorneys think. You know, they're trying to establish precedent. So. That's a, you know, maybe you can't get too deep when you look at something like that. I don't know. I, I, I think there's not a shock to anyone in the Hasbro offices, in the Wizards offices, or in the community that this is ultimately going to end up in a courtroom. Uh, it's going to happen. It's, they are just bolstering their defense by all of this fan service. Or, or perceived fan service. It's not working with our segment, but it is working with the other segments. I told you, there, people are about facing 
dozens at a time online and and saying, okay, okay, they're going to work with us. They're going to work with us. All is forgiven. It's okay. Here's the second thing that is my big point. They still have the morality clause in the language. And this is not a concern for that particular segment of the hobby because they think it's great. I mean, this is a quote. Conduct that is harmful, discriminatory, illegal, or harassing. So those four things. As determined by wizards. Oh, wow, okay. As determined by wizards is grounds for termination of the contract. So it gets better. It gets better because later in the document, and again, I'm looking at this through eyes that might be a little deeper than most. Later in the document, if you use our contract, you can't sue us or go to arbitration with us. Oh, by the way, that morality clause, there's no recourse or appeal. And if you violate it, we can terminate the contract. So what that says is we get to say what stuff is no good. Oh, and it's not limited just to stuff, Bert. I could produce the most glittery, fantastical, rainbows, daisies, and sausages supplement that I want. But based on my personal conduct, unrelated to my product, I may also be held in contempt of this morality clause. So my product notwithstanding, if they don't like something I say or do at their sole discretion, they can terminate the contract. I have no recourse, and by using the license... I'm waiving my right to arbitrate or sue. It's ugly. It's ugly, and I don't think enough people, because there is a larger segment that's like, yeah, morality clauses is great. We hate Nazis. Well, guess what? We, we're not fans of Nazis either, right? No, we are not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, I There's probably one table somewhere in the world that's this group of just atrocious human beings that get together and play. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying there's not these massive numbers that everybody like likes to portray with the opposing segment. But, yeah. The, I mean, the thing about that is it's so vaguely defined. You know, when it says illegal, you know, like... Okay, so stealing is illegal. Does that mean I can't put stealing in my game? Uh, murder is illegal. Can I not have human-on-human -human combat? Oh, but but uh, all species are people, so d does the definition of murder change over to if your party kills any sentient being for any reason, that's murder and therefore illegal? If they want to put a kibosh on your content, Yes. We have, this is a quote, we have the sole right to decide what conduct or content is hateful, and you covenant that you will not contest any such determination via any suit or other legal action. Sorry, that's thought police. I mean, that's, yeah. That's 100% George Orwell is calling. You better answer the phone. I mean, it'd be one thing if they put out a list of, you know, you can't have, you know, X, Y, or Z in your game. You know what I mean? That would be that would be one thing. You know, there are certain topics, you know, that the company finds distasteful. Okay, they put out a list, you know, what it specifically defined what's not permitted. Oh, not well, there were enough sabers rattled about that clause that they said in typical Wizards fashion... Quote, harmful and hateful content is hard to define, and we know this is a sensitive talking topic. We're taking it and your input seriously. We will clarify the language around this in the next draft. Acceptance. 
and encourage your specific feedback in the following survey. Take the survey so that we can track who's really, really on the pulse of this issue so that we can have numbers to say enough people have forgotten about it. Mm. Okay, so basically that says nothing. It defines nothing. (laughs) We'll we'll tell you later. We'll tell you later in our next version, which builds our legal repertoire. It's bad. It's bad. That's, That's kind of the state of where we're at as of the recording. So... God willing, they're releasing on Fridays, so there won't be any major uh, mm-hmm. announcements. But who knows? It's really whenever the the attorneys and the paras finish up the document, uh, that's when we'll see the, the next version, which, by the way, will be another version where there's another number in the history books of acceptance. So I'm, I'm really on this acceptance thing. Because I'm looking at this from, if I wanted to get a tenant, <laughs> if I wanted to get a business partner, watch out, Bert, um, <laughs> I, I'm going to have language that's very similar to that. And I'm going to have it stacked up so that I could come back and say, no, 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 no. This was fine for six months. This was fine for a year. This was fine for two years. It's only a problem now, you know? And that's very diffusing to not only a judge, but if it goes to a jury trial, which I doubt it will, uh, it right. would be very. It's incredibly powerful for a jury. So <sighs> now, the thing that I thought was really interesting when I was going through some of this stuff is if Wizards does something that affects like a you a, a multiple number of creators. By using the OGL 1.2, they waive all rights to participate in class, collective, or joint action. So it could affect 100 creators, and each one of them would have to legally go after Wizards No, they can't. Alone. They can, no, they can't. They, 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 are, they are giving up their right to, I guess, argue, to even have an argument heard. And, and that just... I'm sorry, man. That's not American. <laughs> I, I am a horrible, evil capitalist. Right, right. I mean, you know, you know, that's uh, been established, long established. You're a horrible, evil capitalist. This is beyond <laughs> the pale of what I could tolerate in my own personal activities, and I have and will continue to do horrible, evil, capitalistic things. I I don't know. I don't know. On the flip side of the coin, the orc is getting more and more, I guess you can say, support. Right. That's Paizo's answer to the OGL. That's Paizo's answer to the OGL. Now, remember, Paizo ain't no friend of ours either. Uh, okay. (laughs) Ain't no friend of mine. (laughs) I mean, I, I like Pathfinder okay. I, I, I don't have a problem with Pathfinder. I have a problem with a lot of the lack of separation in modern politics and Paizo. Uh, that's my big thing. They have not released anything that indicates whether or not they too will have a morality clause. Although based on past actions, it is a foregone conclusion that there will be something similar to that and tentatively they've collected 1500 independent game studios some big some very small um, that are supporting the orc uh, not necessarily signed on to use the document but are supporting the creation of the document uh, let's see, just looking through the list biggies that I see uh, we talked about Chaosium, we already knew that EN Publishing mm-hmm. Uh, Evil Genius Games, Fantasy Grounds, uh, Foundry, uh, Gale Force 9, uh, Green Ronin, Cobalt Press, uh, Monty Cook, Minotaur, Troll Lord, Necromancer, uh, Roll20. Th- there's, right. there's, there's some significant names that are Absolutely. publicly supporting this. Uh, gives it more steam, right? So, 
according to Paisa, there's more information that will be released in the coming days as opposed to weeks and weeks and weeks. But again, you know, Paizo ain't no dummy. They're having their attorneys go through this too. Um, I well, don't. I mean, with something like a an open gaming license, you really do need to have, you know, a legal team look oh, at absolutely. it. That just makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying that by any stretch of the imagination. All I'm saying is we need to be cautiously optimistic and we need to be critically skeptical of any licensing that comes out from this point forward. Paizo or, you know, the guy in the closet. It doesn't matter. Um, so, so next time your user agreement pops up on your computer, you're going to read the whole thing carefully, right? Uh, you know, I'm like one of seven people that does read that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I always read mine too. Uh, last time I got a major real estate note um, for the office building, right? Right. Okay. Uh, surprise world. I own an office building. Shock. Um, uh, we were closing on the, the, the building and the attorney and the closing agent were really frustrated and they told me that they weren't frustrated with me. It's just that it was out of step because they couldn't remember a time where someone actually read every document that they were presented to sign. And that, that blew me away. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at all that stuff before you get my signature on it. So and yeah. this could say you can have my kidneys. <laughs> the office building almost did take a kidney. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, again, critically skeptical and cautiously optimistic are the two terms that, that I am using and putting forward for everyone when it comes to consideration for the orc. So. Right. The, I mean, you know, my, my concern is, like you said, you know, establishing a, a chain of acceptance is obviously a bad idea. And the, uh, that's the a great idea for wizards. Not for us, no, not for not gamers, for not for gamers, not for third party creators. And, you know, their, their excuse is, oh, you know, the new license, it's not going to be OGL. It's going to be released under Creative Commons. Yeah. Well, the simple solution, create your new license and with sixth edition one D and D or whatever the fuck you want to call it, have that new license apply to it, but also release 1.0 a under CC. If you release that under Creative Commons, all of us shut our mouths instantly. Instantly. Some of us will even go and see your fucking shitty movie. Not me. <laughs> but th that's all they have to do. They have to say, okay, yeah, 1.0a is also going under Creative Commons. And the new stuff, if you want to create for one D&D... &D, you got to follow the new license because the old license applies to this and the new license applies to that. Done deal. I shut up and we go back to talking about board games and making fun of Sparkle Trolls. The the nerd world is kind of turned on its head right now and, and the world is on fire. And we're basically running around trying to figure out what's burning. It is. It is. And if you want to stay abreast of where our headspace is, go ahead and give the NerdCognito Twitter account to follow, at NerdCognito on Twitter. Uh, you'll see previews of stuff that's coming down the road. You'll get reminders about the show. And you'll see us just absolutely slay Sparkle Trolls. Ah, <laughs> uh, Ryan. Oh, well, it's not a uh, Ryan. That's the powers that be. I can't believe you get those ladies on board with, you know, your Sparkle Troll antics. I love it. I love it. Um... Now's a good time as well, after you hit that uh, follow button on Twitter, to go to the podcast provider that you are listening to us on right now and subscribe. Make sure that our show auto-downloads to your device of choice each and every week. You will not miss an episode. We sincerely appreciate those subscriptions. They mean a lot, and uh, it guarantees that your nerdy goodness is going to be right on time 
every time. So go to wherever you're listening to us, whether it be Google or Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or anything that is out there. We're pretty much everywhere. Make sure that you are subscribed. Well, busy week. Uh, we've got a, a lot to, to look forward to, and we've got to stay vigilant. Um, it's, it's super important that we don't give up the charge because that's Absolutely. what they want us to do. Right. I mean, you know, once people stop talking about something, you know, then they think they got away with it. And uh, that's the plan. They can outweigh us. So uh, we're going to prove them wrong. You can play one of those games that we talked about on the top half of the show with your group. And if you are a subscriber to any of their services, we highly encourage you to unsubscribe because numbers matter. And that will speak volumes. Well, that's all I've got to speak on tonight, Bert. We're, we're long as it is. So. Right, right. Uh, I guess we better wrap it up. My name is Ryan David. Thank you so very, very, very much for listening. We'll talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.